Yo. My bad. I had to take a little break last week. Had some family stuff to attend to. But we back. May 23rd. It's Tuesday. It's my favorite day of the week. Thank you for all the support. Thank you for your continued support. If you're new here, it's not going to go how you think it's going to go. Let me just go ahead and get that out the way. And today, like, listen, you new here, I know you don't know, but every time I wear this shirt, Houston, we got a problem. You know, this is my, I want I want all the smoke shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, what's up? What's going on, man? Mr. Week, I'm glad we're back. Yeah, 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 Mr. Week. Quick little week. That was a long two weeks, though. It was a long, it was a long week. It was good to recharge, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, I was a little beat up. I was a little beat down. They, they killing my nerves, man. They killing my nerves. I want to ask you: Does these episodes that you do, they gotta, they gotta take it out of you, don't they? Whoa, I don't know what you're talking about. Listen, these <laughs> episodes are very taxing. <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> Phil was talking about. <laughs> that got a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> these these uh these topics yes they can be very taxing um there's a lot of energy that goes into it it's a lot of thought there's a lot of um preparation mental preparation even outside of you know making sure that i'm factually correct on on, on what i'm going to speak on what i'm going to say just the mental preparation by itself um because you know you're about to go into some deep waters and you know that Unfortunately, the replies that you get is not always going to. There's not. They're not always logical and educated replies, right? Like, yeah, people tend to be emotional based and 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 opinionated based, and people like to try to argue opinion versus facts, and you know that's when they get a little. Are you serious? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, um, it's just it's, it's draining. It could be very draining. Um, it's something that I really have to manage. Probably manage it a little better. Because pretty much every day I'm engaged somehow with this, right? Um, and I got to find a way to uh, better pace myself so that, you know, um, I'm not burnt out. Because you figure this drops on Tuesday, right? This airs live on Tuesday. Um, when I start dropping these reels, this will take me through next week, the reels will. I promise you, at least Sunday night, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm already preparing Thursday, as you know, Phil, typically Thursday, Friday, I'm already re- preparing for Tuesday. Correct. You know what I'm saying? So I never get to disconnect. I never get to really decompress because I'm going from one thing to the next. And we don't talk about no punk shit over here. We just say it like that. Nope. Right? If you want if you want the, the silly talk and all the weird talk, there's a whole nother show for you. But this one ain't going to go how you think it's going to go. <laughs> Let's get into the sponsorships. That's right. I show some love to people who show love to you. All right. So we got... Applied, I can't read it again, clinical. Applied chemical, chemical sensors. sensors. So Did you ever get the results back? Uh, I haven't checked my mail. I got to ask my wife. We probably got it back. She just hasn't given it to me. Was she, was she only one person with the mail key? Yes. She don't trust you with the mailbox key. She don't, she don't trust me with the mail key. No, really. She only, we only have one. Why we only got one? Hold on. That's a whole other show. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, so I was worried about uh, my son's room who had some black mold on the carpet. And, you know, I don't believe in coincidences. I believe this was supposed to happen to where, you know, Real Rap provided me with um, the hookup here. And we it's really simple. It was literally just like a, a gel that I peel off and I place in the problem area. 
right? And then I let it sit for two days. I, I mark the time that I, I start and I mark the time that I finish. And then I just seal it up and mail it back. And then, you know, I, I probably already got the results back. I'm just, I haven't opened it yet, but we'll see how bad uh, the mold was uh, in my son's room. So, but yeah, I think yeah, this I is hope it's, I hope it's great. not that bad, but if it's bad, then, you know, you got to take him to the doctor to get checked out, make sure his lungs are straight. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we did, we did. He's, he's, he's fine. Okay. But, um, but that it's, it's super cool though. I, I'm technology, man, this day and age technology is just amazing. I don't, I don't think they would have had anything like that, you know, 10 years ago. Nah, I mean, you find a, you find a vulnerable spot, you, you create something to take advantage of the market. You know what I mean? That's what the name of the game is. That's true. All right. Next, next person here. Jones Nelson lawn service. Um, you know, if you've been here before, if that's your first time here, this uh, company was created. So it's, it's a landscaping company that was created um, for the grandson. It's like four years old, I believe. Um, the plan is to teach him entrepreneurship young, it's to teach him business young, and it's for him to grow and build his business along with the help of his father and his grandfather right now. You know, he's he just got something in name right now. But as he grows to be more involved with his business and take more ownership of his business and you know, understand finances and accounting and things that we don't typically teach our kids. So this is why I, I love this. Um, I love this ideology. I love this idea. Please, if you can support it, support it. Um, you know, good dude. Like I said, he'll guide you all through uh, what you need to know about basic lawn care and advanced lawn care. And I'm not saying just basic, but um, from, from lawn care, treatments, weatherizations, um, what interval you should be doing, A, B, C, and D. Um, the educational piece is key as well, and he's willing to do that. So please reach out. Please, um, you can support it, support it. Um, small black-owned business. Um, you know, we spend money on a lot of other foolishness, so let's go. Don't go to True Green. Go to Jones Nelson. There you go. I think that's the new motto. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Forget, forget True Green. You're in Central Florida somewhere. I don't want to hear nothing about no True Green. There you go. So you know how you said earlier in the show uh, how people get in their feelings? Yeah, that's a little typical. Oh, yeah, listen. Listen, my other disclaimer. <laughs> okay. I forgot. Damn, I'm thank you, Phil. You be keeping me straight. You know, I ain't been here in a while. If you're a sensitive, if you're a sensitive and you need Dove soap and, <laughs> and huggies and depends or whatever it is to make you feel comfortable with yourself, this is probably not the show for you. You probably need to go with something that you can stomach a little more where it's going to be a lot more easy for your ears because this isn't it. Um, Costco, Sam Clubs, they sell tissue by the bulk. <laughs> you know, if you're you know, if you if you're that kind of minded person and you need that, I suggest before coming to me that you go get it like by the bulk and you schedule a regular shipment, auto shipment. <laughs> you heard? Let's go. Well, speaking of that, this is uh, I scour the Internet every week to find um, a lot of your replies to some of your reels because some of them go pretty viral. So this is a segment that we call Angry Replies. All right, Jay. So I didn't tell you about this one because oh, man, it's some foolishness because YouTube actually hid this comment. Oh, it's one of them. It's one of them. Oh, let's go. I like the bounce. All right. <laughs> so this, the video that we are referring to, if you haven't checked out any of the reels or shorts, I titled this one, It's Great to be White. <laughs> oh, wow. Hey, yo, listen. For all y'all to be angry at these titles, this is the guy you get mad at. Okay? 
Now you can get mad for what I say in the real, but I don't do no titling. It's I don't write me. no. I don't write no descriptions. I don't do none of that. <laughs> it's all me. I, I choose. I choose violence. <laughs> all right. So this one is very very long. Okay. Go ahead. Gotcha. Are you Are you ready for this? Me. Go ahead. <laughs> all right. Here we go. Boom. What the. F- Right. So the video was must be good to be white. So I will read this uh, of what they say. It says the slaves that were not shipped to America were hacked with dull blades. America is the most single most beneficial thing that has ever happened to your race ever, ever, ever in the history of man. Everything that you use from your automobile to airplane to phone, electricity, Internet, to attack us, we have made for you the whole world to use. Remember that. We have fought one of the world's most bloodiest wars to end slavery. White people try to end slavery in Africa, which has been going on for 10,000 years. And they said, no, this is our culture. Yeah, we got it so good. Our entire inheritance went to y'all just to hit us with real nice over 100,000 organizations to help out your people and your people alone. Not one to help out whites. Not one. And that is from Blank Man. Hey, Blank Man, you're fucking retarded. <laughs> it ain't no other way to say this. If you die, you die. You got to be the most ignorant piece of shit on the face of the planet. Most of that stuff you you named, a black person was behind a key part of it, a, a key component of inventing it. Are you retarded? You gotta be. There is no way you took the time out. Every key, every key invention you just named, there was a key component that if a black person did not invent, it wouldn't have worked. Are you? What's the hundred thousand organizations? I, I, I missed the boat. I, I missed the boat. He said, what, what was the first sentence when he said the people that wasn't, um, the slaves that were not shipped to America were hacked with, the, gosh, oh, mighty. <laughs> I had to go digging for this because YouTube hit it. Are you, I see why YouTube finally hit something that made sense. <laughs> and you said the Civil War was for us? Man, you got to be different. You said the Civil War was for black folk? <laughs> see, See, when y'all ask me, right, why I got to take a break, I'm glad I didn't see that comment because I may have been going another week. <laughs> see, that's one of them comments, right? That this is this is why I have to, the last time y'all see me, I was a little drained. I was a little, my, my energy wasn't right. But these are the comments that I see regularly, right? Go through my Instagram, same name. Go to my Facebook, same name. Go to my TikTok, same name. Go to my, well, Twitter don't really be, like, Twitter don't like me. But the the mother three, go read my comments. This is like typical. I'll be waiting for this. I, I, I swear, I'll be waiting for these kind of comments. They are not few firm between there or something that I know when I drop a video dealing with anything pro-black or anything of a black atrocity, black uh, circumstances, trials and tribulations, I'm going to have somebody in that comment to say that. Because you got white people out there that's more expert at being black than me. <laughs> you don't need a, no organizations. Your skin is your organization. It's you. Your skin is your passport. 
And that damn sure ain't no 100,000 organizations that did nothing for nobody black. I don't even know what you're talking about. And the, and the organizations that do exist really understand what them organizations about and who founded them organizations and where do they actually impact that. What are you talking about? Like, you got to be the most... Never mind, let's go. Let's go. I got I got one. See, I got a preservation, preservation of energy because this is going to be a long night. I got to... I got to... I'm gonna go crazy on the back end. I'm gonna let that one go. All right, where you wanna go? You wanna go? You wanna go with those pictures? No, no, no. I got um, pull up um, pull up the card thing. I think that's interesting. The card thing? Yeah. All right, hold on. Let me find that. Oh yes, there we go. Uh, okay, boom. By the numbers, the end of the twenty thousand dollar car, right? I thought this was remarkable. So what they talking about is new cars. So, remember, wasn't that long ago, but conservatively, I say 10 years ago, but it probably was as recent as five years ago, where your kid first car, your high school kid that's 16, 17, you wanted them to have something not super expensive, but something super safe, something super reliable, and you go buy them. It was two brands you want to buy them, brand new, a Corolla or a Civic. Mm-hmm. You could get, no, this is about 10 years ago. You can get them for about a nice one for about $14,000. Anything you needed in it, $14,000. 16 was a sport one. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like you were super clean with the sport one at $16,000. So what it's saying is that era is over. Cost of production, cost of the chips, whatever they want to lie and, 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 and exacerbate and, and so, so they can say that the cost went up. Yesterday's price is not today's price. We got it. Bro, I'm looking at, uh, I just pulled up. Guess how much a Hyundai Elantra, 2023 Hyundai Elantra N is? 22? 34. Get the. A Hyundai Elantra. You know what's crazy? Like, like, like about 10, 15 years ago, a Toyota Camry, souped up, dumb, nice, you can get for 34000 I'm talking about fully loaded. Because the Avalon started somewhere around 34000 35000 which is the big, you know, the big sedan that Toyota makes. Yeah, the Lexus. LX. Right, yeah, <laughs> exactly, right? So the Camry was more like the ES, and the, and the Avalon was more like the LS, yep. right? So the souped-up, super-dumb Camry was about 34000 Like I said, the Avalon base price was like thirty four, thirty five thousand. So now when you tell me a Hyundai Elantra, which was probably twelve, thirteen thousand, somewhere in there, because you know it was built to compete with the Civics and the Corollas. Mm-hmm. But it was cheaper. Cause if I'm not mistaken, Hyundai is Japanese made. Korean, Korean. Korean made. So that's why they couldn't price it at the same price point as your Civics or your Corollas, right? People looking like that's a Korean car. Nah, we'll know about the reliability, right? That was the that was the stigma saying that they would break down, whatever the case may be, right? They found some way to make it cheaper, right? The consumer did. So now, when you tell me that a Elantra, but the Elantra got a V twelve in it? No, so the so the I guess the Type N is like a higher version of it, but it's got a turbo in it. That's about it. Oh, so it's one of these dumb kid cars that these kids can get the race and they ain't where you got to worry about spending a whole bunch of money souping it up. I, 
I guess, but I would never spend $35,000 on a lawn truck. I would never spend $35,000 on a Hyundai. Yeah. And, and, and I'm about this a Hyundai. It's just the mental thing of when it first came out, when they first came out, what their price point was. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And for 35000 I know what I can go get for 35000 I could do way better than Elantra. So it's like, why? You know what I mean? So what they're doing is, is they're kind of making it hard, to me in my personal opinion, um, for people to get their first car because used car prices are through the roof, right? So the safe haven and the compromise, so to say, was the new Car, was a new car, but it was the low end of your of your of your Hondas and your Toyotas, and people feel comfortable like they're not going to break down. They're super reliable cars. They've got super good safety uh, ratings, uh, great gas mileage, you know. But now, when you pricing them out of that, first thing with Will's going to be a Huffy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like. What they doing to the consumer market is crazy, and it's all out of greed. It's not out of it's not a necessity. Let's be clear, right? It's not a necessity. So even with the even with the electric car thing, they trying to push, right? So now that's going to add another ten grand onto it, because now you paying for all that extra technology and all that. The more technology, the more the car going to cost. Not the cheaper it's going to cost. Now they can try to justify and say, oh well, you don't use gas or you don't. You don't get certain maintenance, like you don't got to worry about oil changes or whatever the case may be. So the life of the car, you're going to save X amount of dollars. Nobody cares about that. Let's just be clear. You can't say you're pushing the electric car theme or, 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 or craze because you're trying to save the ecosystem, but y'all doing stuff to destroy the ecosystem every day, more and more. Y'all ain't talking about the other stuff, cutting out the other stuff. Y'all steady cutting down more trees to build houses and build bigger businesses, whatever y'all want to build on that property, on that land, displacing all kinds of natives to that habitat. So you can't have it both ways. Just the hypocrisy is crazy. That's me. I wanted to touch on that real quick. Um, what we got next? So let me ask you a question. How safe do you feel in Florida? Hey, if you legally can, clip up. If you got to be illegal, clip up. The reason why I brought this up is because we are warned not to travel to Florida. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a couple organizations out there. The NAACP, the, uh, there's a LBGTQ-based um, organization, and there's a Latino organization, I believe, that have all issued uh, travel warnings to the state of Florida saying that they're there's a racist overtones. They 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 discriminate against the LGBTQ community, and all this are based off of recent laws and measures passed by your governor Ron DeSantis. Like it is what it is. Like um, me and my sister was just having a conversation about this earlier because I had to catch up on some some things she missed or the chronological order that she was off on. Um, this guy has attacked, and there's no other way to put it. And and, and sorry, the sad part about it is. Hey, black people, do me a favor real quick. Stand up. Bend over and say pop. When you pop, what's supposed to happen is your, your head's supposed to pop out of your ass. The reason why I'm using such strong language is this. 
a couple months back when I when I spoke on this and I said how he was attacking black history and black education, he was trying to remove that out of the curriculum. I got so much pushback on that, it's not even funny. In person, on the internet, I got a bunch of pushback saying I'm worried about the wrong stuff and black people don't need AP courses and all that and all that. And I'm like, it has nothing to do with the AP course per se. It has everything to do with when one domino falls, the next domino falls. Once again, I told y'all, our problem is we have no forward thinking. We have no strategy thinking. We've been outmaneuvered. We've been out strategized forever. And it's still continuing because they're telling y'all how to think. The moment he came out and he said the reason, well, well, after the fact, right, on the back end when he said, I'm taking black history, I'm taking the AP course, I'm taking that out of the curriculum is because they have an LBGTQ agenda built within it. And I said, that's nonsense because that's not what he said first. What he said first was he don't want little Bobby and little Susie to feel like they're being punished for the crimes of their ancestors. That's what he said first. So now he's cherry picking what's coming out of the curriculum to make him and people that look like him feel more comfortable. You don't have to face these demons. But meanwhile, we got to still sit in class and listen to lies that's being told with history. We still got to be listening to lies being told. We still got to listen to our history being, being whitewashed. We got we, we to gotta look at a black figure being replaced with a white figure saying this person did this. What are you talking about? But when I called this out, I got a pushback for it. But recently he found a need and he thought it was important to push Asian history to say that it needs to be part of the curriculum. Asian American history. Last time I checked, they came after us. Last time I checked, Majority, a lot of this country, a lot of things that y'all enjoy doing, a lot of these structures and a lot of whatever, man. Listen, never mind. I ain't going to get into that, dog. Listen, like I said, when I attacked this conversation before, I got attacked. I got called all kinds of stuff. Now, are there some things that I agree with at, for a time and place? Absolutely. Absolutely. Do I think certain Curriculum should be in elementary and middle school. No, I think if you want to have it, you can have it, and you can have it in high school, and you can have it towards the later years of high school, where people are more mature to handle those conversations, to 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 be able to engage properly and responsibly, and not them being guided in a direction. That's what I think. I think that's the right thing to do. But the whole overreaching policy making that this guy has done. He's opened up the borders for more guns, even though y'all scream, we need gun control. But this guy made it, he made it so everybody can have a hammer that's not a felon, quite naturally, not a felon. And he also made it to where you can track via credit cards the gun sales. It's like you're promoting a civil war, you ask me. The continual oppressing of one's history and one's education. And then you want to arm everybody. And then you want to hide the transaction. That's like initiating a covert war. That's what, that's, the, that's what the CIA go around the world and do. 
Never mind, y'all ain't ready for that. Go go to the next. Y'all ain't, y'all ain't ready for all that. You know, I go. Like I said, this don't go how y'all think it's going to go. My bad. I, I, I want somewhere else. <laughs> you want to talk about Tim Scott? Yeah, let me talk about Tim Scott real quick, briefly. I'm going to talk about Tim Scott briefly. Right. Yo, listen. This guy, Tim Scott, is one of the biggest idiots ever in the whole public office. There's <laughs> no other way to say it. Yo, this guy, Tim Scott, is one of the biggest idiots ever in the whole public office. And he said, you know what? I don't see nobody out there that's like a super strong candidate that can run away with this. So, hey, man, let me throw my hat in the ring. If Biden can win, man, I can win. I got a shot. If Biden can be elected, man, I got a hell of a shot. See, Joe Biden, this is what you do. This is what you do done to America, dog. You got everybody that have no business thinking about running for president thinking they have a shot. This is, this is your fault. This was your for you and your cousin Donald Trump. This is what y'all did to America. That came back to back, one on the hills of the other. Like, this got to be crazy. Y'all really got people out here in the living room like, man, I could be president, dog. Like, like I got it. And they got like five people that don't love them that say, yeah, put your hat in the ring. <laughs> All right, listen, I'm going to behave well. No, I'm about to act a fool. But come on, let's 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 let's, let's get into the. Uh, All right, man. Let's, yeah, let's get. So we got to bring. We can't bring the wagon before the horse, right? So I got to frame this for y'all. Because there's some people out there. This there's. I met a lot of people. I encountered a lot of people this week in the last. You know, I've been I've been doing promotion outside, uh, Phil. Nice. Um, for this show. And I ran across a lot of people that never heard of the situation, right? Dude, Dean didn't hear about it. I mean, unfortunately, Dean's white. I'm not being smart. I'm not being smart. He's he's from Florida? He's from Massachusetts. Oh, well, he might have should have heard about that. And he old enough. He's definitely old enough, but yeah, he might have. I thought he's from down south somewhere. Like, a lot of Southerners haven't heard of that, right? Especially Caucasian Southerners. I'm not being smart or racist or nothing. I'm just being honest. Right, because sometimes what doesn't affect you in any way, it doesn't doesn't come across your radar. That's just life, right? So I'm surprised him being from Massachusetts, he didn't hear about this though. That's that's, that's kind of surprising. Mm-hmm. But where was he at in 1985? Could be a question though. Gotcha. Um. So prior, way prior to 1985, what people have to understand is the, is the climate and the culture when it comes to the black community in the Philadelphia Police Department or Philadelphia City Government, right? This is this is this, this, this is the kettlebell that's still brewing today. Like that was just a situation that happened that blew up. But it, it, it let me not say that word. I don't want to get banned off of YouTube. Um, but it's something that's still simmering today, right? Because of the historical relationship. Um. In 1970, there was a police commissioner by the name of Frank Rizzo, right? His name was Frank Rizzo. He was in the Navy for like 18 months. He he got medically discharged because he had some kind of diabetic issue or something right there. But So he did 18 months in the United States Navy, right? So he pretty much passed boot camp and... Went to a school and I don't know, shined his boots. Like he ain't he had time to do much. <laughs> like I don't even count. <laughs> but he did 18 months in the Navy, right? Sad to say. 
Well, he was a police commissioner. And crazy bigot, crazy ra- racist, well-documented, super documented, right? Um, in 1970, he ordered the raid of the Black Panther headquarters. And it's like several officers in, in Philadelphia. Um, something happened out of park where officer got killed. He blamed on the Black Panthers. He immediately, um, even though like he immediately raided their offices, right? And these pictures were published on the Philadelphia Daily News and Philadelphia Inquirer. Like like these the this picture was published on the cover of the Philadelphia Daily News and the Philadelphia Inquirer. And look. And um they were arrested. They all were arrested. And released without charges because they had nothing to do with the incident that took place. Under his watch as commissioner, the Philadelphia, um, the number of black citizens that were shot by Philadelphia police officers quadrupled that of, um, no, it doubled, like a little over double that of New York City. For a while, New York City police shooting um, civilians, black civilians. Hey, Phil, you got that graphic? Um, yeah. 1974. This is the real stat. So you can see it more than doubles. It probably almost triples, right? Um, this is my fault. I did sloppy screenshot work. I, I, the numbers are actually there. But they get the picture. Yeah, you, I mean, you can get that picture, right? Um, the number of people wounded by the Philadelphia the Police Department almost tripled that of New York City. We're talking about strictly the black community. So it lets you know the the level of tension that had built. Right? Um, there are several political prisoners that are still incarcerated. Um, like like other cities, like like a la New York City, a la New York, uh, Los Angeles, a la Chicago. Um, there's still several political prisoners that have been incarcerated forever under crimes that <laughs> they were proven to not be true, but somehow these got these men and women are still incarcerated. Well, go figure, right? So now this leads us and builds up builds us up to the move, um, the move people who they sprung up around the same time as the Black Panthers, um, and a couple other like Black Liberations. They, I mean, that's all they were were Black Liberators. Um, but not not the initial conception. The initial conception, they came in under really just exercising their free will, right? They were more under the um, anti-industrialism, um, purely like like they just wanted everything to be pure and deal with pure nature, right? So um, they were against anything harm of animals, like so they was against anything dealing with the circus. Anything dealing with the zoo, anything dealing with the wrongful captivity of animals and that was mistreated, right? So they was against all that. They had some Black Panther ideologies. They had some uh, Malcolm X ideologies. Um, but at this point, because I want to say 1972 was when they were uh, th- their conception, 
They weren't real militant at this point, right? They stood on what they stood on. They didn't care about city government. They didn't care about the government. They was anti-government for, for obvious reasons. Um, especially, like I said, you got to understand the climate in that city during that time of Farah Wise's racial injustices, um, social reforms, um, pushing social agendas. You got really got to understand the climate. So that leads us up to... What is it, Phil? 1975? What's that video that I sent you? A huge cherry picker is used as a battering ram to punch out the wooden slats protecting the windows. At 6.55, a squad of police enters the house. Little is heard. At 7 o'clock, another squad goes in. All move members go to the basement. And then uh, they, was, they, they had said they couldn't find no move members inside the house. At 7.20, the bulldozer is used again to clear a basement window, where a Catholic Monsignor tries to talk move members into surrender. At 8.10, screaming is heard from the house. I was standing on the porch, 3207, 3207 Pearl Street. And I could hear, well, um, by, it's only about 200 feet from move headquarters. I could hear voices. I could distinguish who was calling, you know, uh, I could distinguish the kids crying, you know, hear very, very clearly he was calling out for help. And two minutes later, hoses are blasted at the house to flood move members out of the basement. So finally they broke in the cellar window and start putting water in the sand, bring the kids out. Twelve minutes after eight, firemen are then using water. The move members were observed with firearms. You can cut it. So, um, to further elaborate what was going on right there. 1978 was actually the year. It was 1978. Um, it was called the Move 9. So as you can see, the Philadelphia Police Department was trying to find a way to breach the house. They breached the house via water, softened the walls up, and then they took um, an arm of, from some kind of machine they had, and they punched it through the wall. They sprayed water in the halls and, and, and the um, building with the attempt to force them out. Meanwhile, the move members were hiding in the basement. That's why when they said they, they went in there, they couldn't find anybody. All the move members, the move nine, ran to the basement. What wound up happening is, is that a Philadelphia police officer was shot and killed outside of the house. So they went in the house and they arrested nine people. They blamed it on them. They stomped some people out, um, and they were incarcerated, and they was given a sentence from 30 years to 100 years. Some ballistics evidence that exists out there says that those shots came from the roof, uh, came from an elevated position. Mind you, everybody in that house was in the basement. Um, yeah, all them, all, all them was in the basement. <laughs> and like I said, they were arrested, sentenced to 30 to 100 years. And but But this friction had been building, right? So now at this point in time, Frank Rizzo... Is actually he went from he retired as police commissioner. Now he's actually the mayor, the mayor of Philadelphia. So all this is going on, mind you, he's harboring this already these ill wills from the move people that he encountered because this didn't just start. They've been trying to run him out of the city for artistic purposes when he was police commissioner. So he just took his authority and he put it on another scale when he became mayor. So now he's just um, commanding the Philadelphia Police Department on how to handle them from the mayor's office now, right? Which he has a lot more, a lot more leeway now, a lot more things he can do that he don't have to ask for permission from, you know, 
um, no, before he had to go to the mayor and build his case and whatever the case may be. Which leads us up into several events that take place prior to 1985. What's that first clip? Here's a lady here that lived in this house, you know, like King actually, you know, like, uh, In March of 1976, six MOVE members returned to the Palton Village headquarters after being released from jail. The police arrived, accusing the members of causing a disturbance. The officers beat the MOVE members, causing broken bones and skull fractures, including fatal head injuries to three-week-old Life Africa. They all come out the car and rush over the street where we're at, and they just start swinging their blackjacks. We went upstairs to inquire reporters there, and we saw what appeared to be the remains of a, a baby. And it was their contention that this baby had been killed in a police raid. And subsequent to that, I uh, introduced a resolution to the city council calling for an investigation. It never took place. All right, Phil. So I got the order back. So so this was 1976. That's what I was trying to figure out. So that's 1976 that's th that happens, right? But like I said, the harassment started pretty much since their conception. Um, and, and it's odd. And, it, and like I said, it's almost like they were forced to turn into two revolutionaries and into um, radicals because that's not what it started as. They really just started on some... Um, the promotion of primitive living, right? The promotion, like I said, animal rights, social rights. Um, did they speak about injustices openly? Yeah, I mean, that was the climate of the city, but they wasn't, I, there was nowhere to me like the Black Panthers at that time, right? For a while, their conception. Um, I think the more police brutality and the more police harassment they faced, they will push more and more in that direction. Killing a three-week-old baby would definitely do that, right? So, so we are clear on that. Um, they killed the baby and locked the mama up. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you can't make this stuff up. Um, which leads us up to 1978 with the move nine. Um. Where, like I said, a police officer was killed outside the house. Um, they saying that the shots were came from in the house or whatever. But there's autopsies out there that show that the shots came from elevated position. Um, and all the move members were in the basement. Like they were verified in the basement. They like you listen to the police call it out and they would tell you we arrested every one of them out of the basement. <laughs> right. So um, once again, go figure. Go to the next clip. For two years leading up to the 1985 massacre, the FBI and Philadelphia police planned their follow-up attack on MOVE. They used the city's Department of Licenses and Inspections to gain intel on the MOVE house layout. 
Officials built a replica of the house and prepared a strategy that involved automatic weapons, tear gas, and explosives. When Philadelphia's first black mayor took office in 1984, he was briefed on the FBI and police surveillance of MOVE and met with the neighbors of Osage Avenue to hear their complaints. So I met with 15 residents uh, on Osage Avenue on Memorial Day, uh, 1984. At that meeting, I said to them that I will research as to whether or not there is a legal basis uh, for the city to do something about the problem that you brought, uh, uh, brought to us, but also pointed out to them that the mayor does not have the authority uh, because he does not like, or uh, the neighbors do not like, the way someone lived to simply go in and evict the people from the house. We don't have those kinds of options in this democracy. Move used their okay. loudspeaker less frequently okay. in the last seven or eight So, the gentleman that was just on the screen, and I use gentleman very, very lightly, his name is Wilson Good. He was Philadelphia's black, um, first black mayor. He started as a councilman. He started out under the um, Public Utilities Commission. Um, he was part of that program, I guess, where they said they needed a black face, and they went out and found him. He was the safest person. Um, he was heavily involved in the communities at that time before mayor. I'm not going to take that from him. He built his name outside on the streets. He was doing a lot of um, a lot of pro work. He was door-to-door guy. He was reaching the community. He was... Tr- Complete community engagement, trying to see how to better how, how to better uh, circumstances. Um, Philadelphia native, went to John, graduated from John Bartram High School. He went to um, what college he went to? I forgot. I forget the college. They lose me right now. But um, well educated guy. Um, but it was an HBCU he went to. That's why I'm trying to struggle to remember. But he went to HBCU. So. He decided to put his hat in the ring after the after the other guy retired. Decided uh, the previous mayor decided not to run again. So they big the Democratic Party bigged him up, and he won. He ran and won for obvious reasons. Like I say, he was heavily involved in communities. Everybody knew who he was. Um, he had previous contact as as he stated with the move uh, group because he did a lot of um, interacting with them for a while, just trying to see how they they can. He was he was the mediator between them in the city at once a point in time, right? The city sent him out to see how they could come to some kind of means and come to some kind of agreements. Um, because, and, and, and some of the friction was because of the way they was living, supposedly some some of the friction, right? Because they they didn't believe in, they believed in raw, eating raw meats, right? Like I said, it was primitive, it was primitive living, right? It was strictly primitive living. Um, so they would have animals like, meets out on the front and um they fortified their house like it'd be a lot of banging and stuff they fortified their houses against police raids um they put a big bunker on the roof um the bunker contained gasolines like storage um they put metal some type of metal plate in between the houses from next door in between the walls which you're going to find out later a, a little bit more about um they did. They installed bullhorns and loudspeakers on their houses, and they and they and they and they did their sermons or whatever they was doing. Um. And like I said, they was definitely anti-government, which and you know, and they came out outright and said, 
F the police commissioner, <laughs> right? So that created a problem in itself. And that, to me, that's really, it really turned personal. It was no longer about um, community service. It was no longer about equal living. It was no longer about, um, are or, or, or are they not being disruptive to the neighborhoods or to their neighbors? It was no longer about that. It became a personal vendetta of, this is our city, you in America, you're going to listen to us, right? It, that's really what it boiled down to. Um. And like I said, Wilson Good, he was he was the mayor at the time. And strangely enough, he was reelected after this. <laughs> but go into the next uh clip, Phil. Mayor Good approved just days before the massacre. The tactical plan as as I understood it was to remove to move people, all the people, from the house safely. That was the objective. It was to be done by causing a diversion on the roof, inserting the insertion teams on either side of the properties, and by them and inducing an amount of CS gas in a sufficient concentration to make those people come out of the house. Uh, you're calling it a device. I'm okay. calling it a bomb. <sighs> Let's go to the next clip. I'll speak to that in a second. Now, we know that the children wasn't doing any shooting. Do you I feel that they're right? I know that the children okay, hold on. were not shooting. Would, would Pause you say that? that? Pause that real quick. And it's not playing on the screen. I don't know what happened. Oh, oh no. No, go back real quick. Go back a little bit? Yeah, no, no, no. Close that. Okay. Close it for right now. So, um, so when he was speaking about Far Wisers, he went, he went to, um, several people went and, and, and tried to talk to him. There's a guy by the name of Michael Nutter. Um, at that time, he was just a councilman. Um, I want to say the day before, a couple of days before, he went and actually knocked on the door and he talked to um, Ramona Africa. Ramona Africa is the only surviving member, move adults, the only surviving adult member of the of this group that was in this house this day. There was one kid that was one adult. The adult is Ramona Africa. She was the sister of John Africa. He's the one that actually founded the move movement. No pun intended. Um, and they were trying to find a way to peacefully, like he, like Michael Nutter, according to him, was trying to find a way to peacefully um, bring, come to a means with surrendering or, or, or whatever stipulations that the city government was trying to put on to move people. So he was sent in to kind of present this and open negotiations. According to Michael Nutter, they said no to everything they said. Pretty much, come take us, come get us. We're ready for whatever. According to Ramona Africa, that conversation is not how it went. She gave she gave the city a counter list of demands or counter um, arrangement, right? Whatever the city says, she countered it. They countered it and said, "Well, this is what we would like on our end, right?" Um, negotiations broke off. Uh, the city decided to draw up a plan to siege the house, which you can see from 1978. This they use, they try to utilize the same exact tactics, right? Um, this time they dumbed out though. Go go and play the next video. The same one? Or is it no, no. You can go. Ahead, you can go ahead and just play that. That if we had children in there four, five, six years old, that they would have been using uh, any type of weapons. To my knowledge, there was only one that young. According to Mayor Good, 
He sent three private citizens to negotiate with Move on May 9th, but Move refused to talk to anymore after Good told them that he couldn't promise that no one would be arrested. With permission uh, from the police, uh, went down the street uh, to the house uh, and uh, talked with uh, Ramon Africa uh, through, the, uh, through the screen door. I just asked, is there any possibility that, you know, we might negotiate this thing out so that there's not, you know, a bad outcome here. She made it pretty clear that um, uh, they were prepared to deal with whatever uh, might uh, come next or deal with the police and that uh, they were committed to a certain, uh, they were taking a stand. Move member Gerald Africa okay. disputed these facts. Okay. Um, which... This leads us up to the fateful day of May 13th, 1985, which would have been Mother's Day. Um, this leads us up to a very unfortunate event in Philadelphia history. You got the video? This one, right? Yep. Inside the move house. The neighbors have been told by police not to return to their homes for 24 hours. That's 10 o'clock tomorrow night. 6 a.m. when police moved in with tear gas and water cannon to evict members of the extremist group MOVE. The plan was to bomb a hole in the roof, toss in tear gas to overwhelm the inhabitants, then add thousands of gallons of water to exacerbate the effects of the gas, and then to have officers at the exit with guns ready to shoot those fleeing from the house. We were getting along with our neighbors and nothing was going on. That's why we were surprised and shocked when hundreds of cops invaded our area trying to throw move out of our home. And this was on Sunday, Mother's Day. There is a small war underway on a street in Philadelphia tonight. It has been going on all day between hundreds of Philadelphia police and a bizarre back to nature group called Move. Nothing happened all day. But that night, Gregor Sambor, the police commissioner, got on a loudspeaker and said, attention move, this is America. You have 15 minutes to come out. Well, obviously we didn't come out because we knew they wanted to kill us. They didn't want to arrest us. They could have done that anytime. The police unleashed a high-powered hose spraying thousands of gallons of water into the house. Okay, that's one. I want y'all to see the hose. Okay. Okay. Go on. I just want y'all to see the hose real quick. Go ahead and cut that. Greg Sample, Sample spent 30, over 30 years in the United States Army. He reached the rank of Lieutenant Colonel. He was the Philadelphia Police Commissioner that, that quote-unquote ordered this um, he mapped out this assault, and it was his call that resulted in the final bombing, right? I don't, I don't, I don't understand how these tactics were. I mean, even these basic tactics, how they were able to be utilized in a residential neighborhood in 1985. It looks more like tactics used in 1950. They they punch holes in the exterior of the of the of the of the walls of the house to inject tear gas. 
they use the the the, the water cannings to exacerbate the effects of the tear gas. They had over 500 police officers out there that day. When I say that this became personal, it was no longer about um, a social cause or 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 a, a a social issue. Like if you like, I said they believed they were they were dis disrupted to the neighbors or whatever the case may be. Right prior to this assault even going down, the district attorney uh, at that time was a guy by the name of Ed Rendell. Ed Rendell went on to become the mayor of Philadelphia. You, you see the common theme, right? <laughs> Everybody that was involved with this situation, there's a very, very common theme. He went on to become mayor of Philadelphia. And he went on to become governor of Pennsylvania. There was a judge by the name of Lynn Abraham who signed a search warrant and an arrest warrant. The arrest warrants were for four move members. The search warrant was to search for explosives, automatic weapons, um, and some other nonsense, right? Lynn Abraham went on to become district attorney of Philadelphia. <laughs> so it's like everybody that was involved with this travesty got a promotion down there. Like, like no one was really held accountable, right? Like, like I want y'all to see this theme that's going on here. Um, the city manager was a guy by the name of, I want to say, Leo Brooks. He was another career army guy over 30 years. He was also a senior officer. He was also on the scene that day talking to a bullhorn, berating the move people. So you have... Three guys with some, I mean, one don't really have no military experience. I, I don't know if I can count 18 months. Um, but you have two guys that's on senior level Army officers that have commanded infantry battalions. So they know about combat. They know about warfare. They know about strategy. They know these things, right? So they were allowed to bring foreign war strategy to a residential neighborhood in West Philadelphia. Play the next video for me. Package of the move house. As you know, Commissioner, there were no automatic weapons found in the move house. Do you know whether or not the automatic weapons fire you heard was, in fact, from police officers? The firing, as initiated by move, uh, was apparently automatic fire. And I cannot explain it, but I do not and believe for one minute that it was the police that were firing at that time. After running out of bullets, the police initiated their plan of dropping a bomb on the house. Though the That's bomb caused considerable at. damage, it didn't completely destroy the house. The ensuing fire would be the ultimate weapon the PPD used to kill the MOVE members and their children. Okay, there is a new development at the MOVE Building 62nd. Okay, Holy shit. So, 
so the helicopter that y'all seen, I had it wrong all my whole life. And I'm gonna apologize. Well, not not really. The helicopter, because it actually makes it worse. The helicopter that was utilized, there was an officer, a Lieutenant Frank Powell. He dropped two one and a half pound bombs that contained Tovex and C4, the C4 that was supplied by the FBI. So they was on a Pennsylvania State Police helicopter that came and dropped that bomb. The purpose of dropping the bomb was because, like I said, they had fortified the roof, right? They made a bunk out of the roof. So in order to penetrate the rooftop, they dropped the bomb so they can flood it with water to force people out the house and once again exacerbate the tear gas. Because they couldn't puncture the holes in the walls because they fortified the walls with steel, with some kind of steel. All the, all the women and children, children were in the basement. The men were upstairs. The automatic gunfire you hear them talking about. When they ran in this house, they found no automatic weapons. So mind you, the Philadelphia Police Department surrounded this house. So if you're in the front of the house and you hear an automatic gunfire, it's coming from the back of the house, but it's also a Philadelphia Police Department that the bullets and guns that you're hearing. They found not one automatic weapon in that house. They found shotguns, which anybody that's been around weapons know there's a very distinct sound between a semi um a, 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 a semi-rifle and a shotgun. There's very two distinct sounds. They're not even close. So, all intents and purposes, they was committing automatic gunfire from the rear of the house to justify shooting at the front of the house. When these members were trying to flee the house, because at this point, right, the reason why I wanted y'all to see those water cannons, that fire burned for over two hours before they began to put that fire out. Samba ordered or told the then um, fire department commissioner not to put the fire out, let it burn. Because he wanted to breach the top of the, the roof of the house and he wanted to soften that up. And he believed putting the fire out too soon would have had eliminated that possibility. Meanwhile, this fire spread like wildfire, no pun intended again, because they had gasoline on the roof. <laughs> so what you got is the destruction of about four, I think four city square blocks, over 250 people displaced. And then the lie that came in and said, no, we didn't ever say let the fire burn. Y'all had water cannons on the scene. We seen the water cannons because y'all was shooting them at the house. So it's not a case. They said they was waiting for the Philadelphia Fire Department to come on scene. So what water was y'all? I must be retarded. Man. Listen, I got that problem sometimes. We got another video, Phil? Or that was that the last one? The the this one is actually the intro. Okay. You want to see that one? Yeah, I, I just want them to see that bomb again. Okay. All right. Ready? Yeah. May thirteenth, nineteen eighty five, the Philadelphia Police Department dropped a bomb on a row home occupied by thirteen people, including seven adults and six children. 
After ordering okay, the cut that. Did y'all see that quote? They would not call the uh, Philadelphia Police Commissioner an MFA again. That's what they said. And I, and I know it's kind of hard to tell, but that's what they were saying while they was watching the fire burn. So as these members were fleeing the house, they were shot and killed. So the ones that didn't die because of smoke inhalation or because of the results of the blaze, those that ran out were shot, including children, by the Philadelphia Police Department. And they said their justification was because they were shooting at them. What? <laughs> if any rounds you heard going off, it's the rounds that was going off as a result of them being overheated because of the fire. There was no weapons on them. They, not, they didn't find out one weapon on none of these people. But you had five kids killed in that? Six, six adults, five kids. One adult survived, one kid survived. And that was the kid of John Africa. His sister, I said his sister Ramona Africa survived. But this also makes the Pennsylvania State Police complicit. The commissioner, colonel at that time, whatever his name, John Cocker Jr., they had to get it cleared through you, right, to use your, your helicopter to drop a bomb. You had to know what the helicopter purpose was. You had a senator by the name of All, All Inspector. The only thing he over that known famous for was um, challenging New England beating the Eagles in the Super Bowl. We don't know him from doing nothing else. But that had to come across his desk before it was done. The other senator, John Hines, Pittsburgh area, anybody from Pittsburgh, y'all know who that is. And the governor, Thornburg, that definitely had to come across your desk before you approve that, before, before that can happen. It ain't no way in hell. So you had Brooks and you had Somberg. You had these two guys that resigned shortly after. I think Somber resigned like in November and Brooks retired like he resigned 10 days later. Whoop de do. They was allowed to commit a terror. So so they labeled these people extremists, right? I don't know if anyone heard that in that clip where they was labeled as extremists. Because they way of life was different than they didn't do anything extreme until they was forced to do anything extreme. That's not the same thing. They wasn't revolutionaries until they was forced to be revolutionaries. So this city was allowed police commissioner, mayors was allowed city um managers was was allowed to provoke this situation and justify a bombing of a residential neighborhood and nobody went to jail except for Ramona Africa. She was actually charged with arson. What? You can't make she was actually charged with arson. She spent like six or seven years in jail behind this. But then the city, like in 2010, I want to say, they awarded her like one point something million. And they gave like 12 million or 15 million, something like that, to the neighborhood, to the people that was displaced. And then they called themselves rebuilding the neighborhood with low-level project housing. <laughs> that a lot of that you can't even is you can't even live in it today because of bad foundation, messed up ceilings, messed up structures. 
It's like, how can this happen in American city in the year 1985 and nobody go to prison? I think that's the, except for the person that was, autistic purposes was the victim. The person that was the victim is the person that went to prison. Then you get somebody like Wilson Good who has the audacity to say, I'm not going to pay for this for the rest of my life. What? You had to clear that well before any governor or senator or whoever else. You had to clear that. You had the final call within the city limits. The police commissioner can't do that without your okay. Even, even the tactics with the breach was out of line. You had a full military assault of somebody that wasn't a combatant. Nowhere in there can you see, oh, that they had violence. Like, oh, you know what I mean? They shot and killed people or anything like that. That was a full level breach. All the way down to dropping a bomb on the roof. And nobody went to prison. But as a goddamn black man, I'm just making all this shit up. Yeah, that's what America has done for me and my kind. That's what it has done. It's given us goddamn PTSD, anxiety, depression, and social disorders. That's what the hell has done. You see a goddamn police car with their lights on going that way and your goddamn heart drop. You going westbound, he going eastbound, and still feel like he right behind you. That's what y'all, that's what America has done. Thank you. I should be so grateful. I'm so appreciative of that. Make all this make sense to me. I'll see y'all next week, man.